0: welcome in to another episode of we're talking today jt crabtree voice or is it one of the voices of the uh who knows of the south alabama (laughs) jaguars we're gonna call it the voice for our 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 purposes here i know uh jd is on the uh, tv side of it but the radio voice so whatever we're gonna work it out uh if you're doing football and you're doing baseball you're 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 the voice so yeah, uh, basketball as well, don't you?
1: I do. Yeah, the big three, baby.
0: Okay. Uh, pretty soon they're going to move you to women's basketball too. No, I'm I did that
1: for five years. I paid my dues.
0: <laughs> so, so you guys do do you do broadcast <laughs> women's basketball?
1: We used to. We don't anymore. Um, that was actually a COVID casualty. We we dropped it after the pandemic or during the pandemic, I guess. We ran it by our coach and he said, You know what, we push our recruits to ESPN plus anyway, so we're okay with you dropping it. So
0: it kind of makes a little bit sense. Uh in in that realm. I prefer to uh um pull up the guys that are doing the radio broadcasts while and syncing it up while watching a game. So sure. Um and uh I know you and I kind of went back and forth a little bit when you guys and we, we got into it last year during baseball season, but but when you were at uh Florida for baseball in the regional. Yeah. That was it w- it was great listening to you and uh you can just the excitement so much more there is is there so much more. So I i don't I don't have to worry about the whole
1: ESPN being neutral thing. I yep. can be full blown homer like I always am.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. That was a
1: lot of fun, man.
0: Well we're here to talk uh, Jaguar football. Um i'm I'm going back and I'm looking so two thousand and nine was the first year yep two thousand
1: and nine uh program got the green lights um, well, there's kind of two things that kicked off football was at halftime of a basketball game in two thousand and seven the student body presented a Rolled out scroll of student signatures, all saying we approve the creation of a football program. We approve the increase of tuition to start a football program, and it went from half court past the end of the uh, the basketball court. So it was that was officially the the thumbs up. I think early 2008, board of trustees officially approved creation of team and marching band at the same time. Oh. and then 2009 um september 3rd i think actually uh 2009 we kicked off against Hargrave Military Academy and um we've been playing ball ever since
0: so 17 and 0 through the yeah. first 17 games now so... <laughs> i don't want to any... i'm going to go ahead yeah,
1: yeah it's 17 and 0 sounds great if you don't look at the opponents um there are some FCSs mixed in there, but you know, the first two years of the program in 09 and 10, we were unclassified, which meant we could play any level, prep school, JUCO, D3, 2, whatever, and our record for us counted, but for no one else it counted. Right. What it also meant was our players' eligibility clock did not start. So we had guys playing two years of football that didn't count against their eligibility. Wow. So – You know, we played seven games in 09, all at home. We played 10 games in 10. I think we played three road games that year. One of them, our true road game, air quotes of that, was a neutral site game in Dothan, Alabama, about three hours away. Okay. Um, And we played mostly prep schools the first year, a lot of JUCOs, um, and then our first ever loss was – we stepped it up and we played NC state Wow! and the first, I don't know, two series we go back and forth. We had a couple of stops. We actually uh, forced a fumble deep in their territory. And we're thinking, Oh my gosh, we're playing with NC state. Like we're going to make this happen. And then they drummed us. (laughs) They absolutely ran it down our throats, but um the first couple of years were great. Uh, it was a great way to start it off, get the, the local fans excited about winning football games in Mobile. Um, and then we moved up from unclassified to FCS to uh, FBS not eligible, like James Madison's doing right now. That was in 2012 and in 13. 14, we were fully fledged and eligible. Made it to a bowl game, the Camellia Bowl, and made it to another game. in another bowl game in 2016 and out in Arizona. Um, And we're still looking for our first winning season as an FBS team. We've been six and six a couple of times with losing bowl games to make a six and seven, but we have not had a winning record since uh, gosh, I think 2011 was the last time we had a winning record in football. So we've, um, we've got some work to do, but I feel pretty darn good about this year's team.
0: How has the uh, community supported the team as it, has it been kind of up and down? I mean, I, I guess the the question I'm leading to is, you're in year two of the new stadium. I I, I know where the old stadium was, so yep. this has to, this is definitely a, just moving just moving into a different area has to be an upgrade.
1: Yeah, it has. You know, we played at Lad People Stadium from 2009 to 2019, and we've. Have our new home. The office I'm sitting in is in the North End Zone building at Hancock Whitney Stadium. We opened it, of course, right in the middle of the pandemic, so we couldn't have full capacity. But um, last year, we we're able to do 100% capacity. Uh, support has been good. Student attendance has been un- unbelievable, nowhere close to what we had down at LAD. Um, every game, the student section has been sold out. It has been packed, and we've been trying to just find places for students to sit, even if it's not a, a ticketed area. You just Just go over there and sit. Um, Student student support has been unbelievable since we moved on campus. Uh, The city, like you said, has been a little bit up and down. Um, We're always going to be second fiddle to Alabama and Auburn. So we have that battle with game days and game times. I mean, you might see on our schedule the last game of the year against Old Dominion is a Saturday at 11 AM at home. And that's because the Iron Bowl is that day. Well. That's the end all, be all football game in the state of Alabama. Yep. and typically we play that game if we're scheduled to play that Saturday, we typically move it up and play Black Friday. Old Dominion said they don't want to do that, so we will play Saturday morning, so people can come out watch our game, go watch Alabama and Auburn later on. Uh, that's been our biggest issue, really. And honestly, to the like I was saying, we haven't had a winning team in a decade. We we have not played consistent football at a high level in a long time and we have never done it really at the FBS level and so I think once we string together a couple of good seasons and prove that hey you know we can beat these teams we we can win and go to bowl games at this level I think we'll start to see some more support especially now that we have our own facility at Hancock Whitney Stadium Uh, and there's still a lot of people in Mobile that don't even know this place exists yet it's not Right up you know, Cajun fields right up on the main roads, you can see it from so many different corners. Well, Hancock Whitney is in campus, you know behind an apartment complex, behind the dining hall, past some trees, and then you can see it down there, so it's kind of tucked away in campus a little bit, but you know we've had the Chamber of Commerce we hosted an event an after hours event here a couple of weeks ago, and I can't tell you how many people we had just walking around saying, my gosh, I didn't even know this place was here. It's incredible. And that's really what is holding us back right now is we just need to get people out here. Once they get in this building, they're hooked. We just need to get some new people in.
0: Well, not to just, uh, to to encourage you, you know, back when in 1972, when the stadium was built, it was single lane roads on both sides of the Cajun Dome and Cajun Dome Boulevard wasn't there until 19. 86 or 87. Okay. So, uh really and it was it was considered outside of town that you were going you. to the so luckily the university was smart enough and bought a lot of the land around there so it, it it couldn't become something that it shouldn't become. So,
1: I love what you guys have the athletic complex how you can see just about every venue from each other. It's all in one spot if you're going to a Cajun game, you know the intersection that you're going to Uh we're all on campus now, but we're a little bit spread out in different spots. Yep. Um But still, I, I really love the concept that you guys have of really having everything all in one spot.
0: I, I enjoy it too. I mean, there, and you know, you like I said, you know where you're going, you, you're generally parking in one spot. Texas state is very similar as well. Yeah. Yep. So very lucky. Well, enough about the stadium. Uh, I do like the size of the stadium. Uh, it's showing 25, five, basically, so, you know, if you're, if you're bringing in 18,000, 20,000 people, that looks pretty damn full. Yeah. It's opposed to ours, that is almost 40,000. And if you get 22,000 in there, it still looks empty.
1: Yeah. And, we, you know, we moved from LAD, which was 45,000. We had one game in our history where we sold it out where we hosted Mississippi State. Okay. And that was the year that Dak Prescott went off. They were number one in the country for a while. So we got them at a great time. Um, since then, we really haven't come close. Now, this year, we're hosting Troy on a Thursday. It's the first time they're here with a full capacity availability. They came here. It was a weird thing. The game was canceled because of COVID. We yep. played it after the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. It was – and, like, the game meant nothing to either side. It was really bizarre. Um, So, this year, we're expecting a pretty darn big crowd for that Thursday matchup on – I think it's October 20th um but you're right you know we get 17 18 19,000 people in there with that horseshoe design that it's got it gets loud man and there's you know, the seats are all really close to the the field as well so it's a it's a fun atmosphere when you get especially the student section going in there
0: i haven't been there but but looking at the pictures it looks very similar to what texas state has is yes. am i correct there yes um they everything's have bit- low to the field Everything's low.
1: Um, Nothing's really kind of vertical either. It's just kind of you start at concourse level, go down, and then there's a little bit of an upper deck on top of that. Um, I think Texas State has a little bit of a bigger press box club suite availability, but um, I I love Texas State Stadium. They've got a phenomenal facility over there, but ours, yes, is is very similar with – a horseshoe and open end zone that's got like a, a bar area and a big old video board in that end too.
0: Very nice. Yeah. Well, let's get on to the football itself. Uh Thank second you. year coach Kane Wamick. 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 And I practiced it 14 <laughs> times before I got on with you and. In- four times with you, and then I still did it wrong.
1: <laughs> and, I, mean, I told you before, the players get it wrong right now, too. Most people in Mobile don't know that it's, it's spelled Womack, W-O-M-M-A-C-K, but it's pronounced Womack. Yep. Womack,
0: okay. And again, from somebody from Louisiana who has a funny last name, I'm not going <laughs> to judge anybody on how they pronounce their name. So tell, tell us a little bit about him. I, I saw where he came from, Indiana um first time head coach um is this is the progression there i mean i said it's only year two Mm. but at the same time you guys have had some pretty good players and i really think that in my opinion you probably should have won a few more games than you did yeah yeah five and seven last year and
1: four of the seven losses were by six points or less Uh, we were we were close in a lot of those games. The game with you guys had an opportunity multiple times to score inside the 10 and came up empty. Uh, the Coastal Carolina game in the finale were so close and couldn't pull that one out either. Uh, but, yeah, year two for Kane, uh, year four overall. He was here for two years as the defensive coordinator before leaving to go to Indiana. Uh, That's this right. is the guy, man. He is the guy that we wanted. He actually, when we made a change after 2017, He applied to be the head coach, and he was actually the interim head coach in the kind of weird window where Joey Jones was out, and we hired Steve Campbell. He was the interim head coach. He applied, and he wanted desperately to be the head coach. Now, he's the youngest coach in FBS football right now. Four years ago, he would have been 29 as a head coach. That's pretty dang young to be a head coach of a football program. And so we went with Steve Campbell. Things didn't work out. Kane went to Indiana had great success up there and then when we made a change I mean you know we, you go through the interview process with everybody but Kane was the guy the whole way he was we knew he was the guy that we wanted down here the vision that he had for this place was exactly what we wanted this place to be and he's hit the ground running man he he's he's tremendous he's all in on getting the community involved you know the They've got hashtag LEO that he brought down from Indiana, love each other, hashtag our city. That's been a huge drive that's now kind of bleeding over into all of athletics because, like I said before, we're always going to be little brother to Alabama and Auburn, but we can plant our flag pretty darn firmly in Mobile. And so we're trying to establish to people that maybe don't know that, hey, you know, we are your team. We're right here in 251. This is your team. And this is our city. And so we're trying to incorporate all that better. He's been great, man. Um, he's what I would, if I were a football player, I would want to play for a guy like Kane Womack. He's involved in practice. He, he's doing the pre-practice stretches with the guys every time. Uh, half the time, he's lined up at a defensive end against the offensive linemen and doing different uh, edge-rushing moves, trying to get by guys. He's involved. He's energetic. He's fun. He's a guy you can sit down and have a beer with and it's just it's just another day. Um he's he's so he he's such a 180 of what you hear a lot about football coaches about like there's this aura about them like I you know oh my gosh that's Nick Stanton. Well, I'm not going to go talk to him. No. Kane's just he's another guy, man. He's going to come to you. He's going to see you and come talk to you. Uh the players gravitate to him. We've had a guy actually James Miller who was a linebacker transferred from Indiana down because he loved the personality of Kane. He was, you know, when Kane left, it's not the same. I want to go play for you. And we've had a lot of that. We've had a lot of guys come down here because they want to play for a guy like Kane Womack. And from working with him, if I ask him for anything, he'll do it. At the drop of the hat, he'll do it. He's a great guy. He's exactly what we needed in this time of our program where we're trying to almost reestablish ourselves, you know, with making a coaching change, opening a new stadium, trying to get back on track. He is the perfect guy for it.
0: Well, I, I, if you look at his, his history, besides just his, his coaching history, but you know, born in Springfield, Missouri uh, played at Arkansas, played at Southern Miss and then went on Tennessee, Martin Jacksonville state, Mississippi, you know, the only one that's the only two that are really kind of outliers from the South are Eastern Illinois and Indiana. So you can tell probably at heart he's a Southern boy. And I'll be honest, I mean, you know, I, Mobile's not a bad place to live.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he played at, um, he played at Arkansas for a couple of years, then transferred to Southern Miss. And that's really what he claims as his alma mater. And of course, right. You know, his first, Game as head coach, he gets to coach against his alma mater in Southern Miss, and you know, you could you could tell that week just you know, how excited he was and how elated he was that that was the team that he was going to make his debut against. And of course, getting the win helped too. But um, he's been great. And you talked about you know the stops he's been. He had that stop at Ole Miss. He's the son of legendary defensive coordinator Dave Womack, the kind of the the founder, the creator of the four two five defense okay, and that's what we are completely built on when Kane was down here the first stint as defensive coordinator, he brought in the four two five we were very successful um, his whole thing is swarm d hashtag swarm d he's brought it, he's had it here the first time, took it to Indiana's brought it back down with him too um it's worked I mean last year shoot we went from in 2020, as a team, having 11 sacks and last year having 38. And most of the personnel on the defensive side was the same. It's just the way he used them. Um, that's his lineage is huge. He talks about his time at Arkansas where he was a fullback and tight end where he said, um, my time as fullback was get the hell out of the way for Taryn McFadden. <laughs> But he he's he's great, man. I can't say enough about how much he's done here in such a short amount of time. And like you said, it's only year two, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like year five with as much that he's done so far.
0: Well, let's jump in. Let's let's talk. Uh, I mean, I guess the, the the guy that everybody recognizes on the coaching staff is uh, Major Applewhite. How is that? Uh, you know, how is it? Has the offense progressed? Are are you seeing a difference in the offense? I mean, I know sometimes it's it's going to take time no matter what you do because uh, if, if a new guy comes in, he's got to bring his personnel in. It's not just going to say, okay, we're going to pick up and do yeah. what, what we've been doing because obviously the reason there's a new head coach probably is it wasn't working.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's been good. Uh, there was definitely an adjustment last year where uh, honestly in years past the offense had gotten a little vanilla. Um, it, it didn't have a whole lot of the, the modern concepts. Um, and so major brought some things from Alabama, Texas, Houston, obviously his previous stops. Uh, he brought in a more modern offense and a lot of RPO and last year started out really RPO heavy and realized "Eh, this might not fit these guys. We were a little bit banged up on the offensive line too, and that didn't help. So we switched to you know with Jalen Tolbert and Jake Bentley. We switched to a pass heavy offense, which I don't think you'll see at all this year. The running game is is far improved. I'm sure we'll get to that in a bit, but yep. they this offense looks good they they're headed in the right direction um It provides guys multiple options to do different things it get, It allows guys to be a little bit creative too. if you see something that's working. Major's fine with you kind of. Hey, if you think it's going to work, go. Um, And the guys love playing for him. You know, you kind of wonder if a guy like Major, who he's been a head coach at a high level, he's had success at a high level. He's been, you know, starting quarterback at Texas, O.C. at Texas, O.C. at Alabama, analyst at Alabama the last couple of years. Uh, You worry if, you know, he kind of has a, a holier than thou attitude is, you know, I'm better than this. I'm just using this as a jumping point to get a head coaching job somewhere. Uh, and that might be majors end plan, but the way that he operates, you'd never know that he, he's a really down to earth guy. And I'll, I'll be honest. I, I was concerned about that. Working with him was that he might be a little bit difficult. He might think he's a little bit better than this place, but he's really not. He's really been a great guy to work with. Um, I actually last night, we had our football like preseason social at Buffalo Wild Wings. And, you know, he's standing at the bar. Hey, man, what are you drinking? You know, just out of curiosity, he was just a normal laid back guy. Um, So he's been great. The guys love him. He um, he's still got the quarterback in him every the end of every practice. Last year, he was doing a throwing competition with Kane and the quarterbacks about who could hit the crossbar with a football from the 10 the 15 and 20. And more times than not, he was winning it.
0: That's awesome. I, I, it sounds like he's a, uh, a player's coach. And uh, I mean, by all accounts, when he was at Houston, it sounded like things were going great there as well. Yeah. The, 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 a lot of people loved him. Um, I, I don't understand. I don't know what happened there. Why he left being a head coach? I mean, I'm assuming he was he was let go, but his record wasn't horrible. I guess, right. and yeah. was only there for two years. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess you can say he was a he was an assistant coach there for two years prior, but at the same time, it's a different ball game being a head coach. Yeah, than it is. So yeah, absolutely. let's talk about the offense then. Um, you got two quarterbacks right now. Have you guys announced a starting quarterback?
1: Yes. So it it will be Carter Bradley, uh, Toledo transfer. He's listed as a senior. He actually has two years of eligibility. Um, okay. Son of current. Defensive coordinator for the Colts, Gus Bradley, former head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he's definitely a coach's son, man. You know, he he lives and breathes football. Um, he's a gunslinger, man. He's, he's really good. Um, he will drop down a little sidearm sometimes, which is interesting. But he's a gamer. He's a gunslinger. He's a great guy to have as your starting quarterback. Um, the throws that he's made in spring, and in fall camp have just been unbelievable. There was a play this past Saturday at a scrimmage where he rolled to his right, pressure's coming behind him, throws on the run sidearm, and hits a guy in stride on the opposite sideline for 52 yards for a touchdown. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. The, the term everyone's been using about him is arm talent. He has an NFL arm talent. Um, it's just kind of piecing everything together and working in a system in a new system because he was you know, at Toledo and now he's doing things completely different down here. Um, but he's going to be the guy. Uh, Desmond Trotter has, he's played a bunch for us in the past. Yep. So if, if something happened to Carter Bradley and they got to hand it over to Desmond Trotter or if Carter's not playing well and they want to hand it off to Desmond Trotter, I think they're completely comfortable doing that.
0: Uh, Bradley was, it sounds like Bradley uh, came to school in the spring, then was here in January through the, through the whole spring. So yeah. that it definitely gives him a, a, a leg up over guys that transfer in during the summer. So good for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. seeing a way out and taking that. Yep. Yeah, so. Great kid.
1: He uh played quite a bit at Toledo. Uh they had a starting quarterback that went hurt that got hurts. He came in, started, I think, four or five games, did pretty good. He actually almost led a come from behind victory against Notre Dame last year. Um so He's he's had some experience playing in some big time games. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do,
0: man. He's he's impressive. So you you bring back on the running back side Avery and Hill. Are they going to be your top two running backs? They were your top two producers that were held over from last year. But do you, is someone else there? A transfer? Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: We've got legitimately five running backs that will rotate. Um, Terry on Avery will be one of the main guys. But the number one running back, he's been hurt most of spring and most of the offseason, but he's good to go now, is LaDamian Webb. He's a transfer from Jones County, JUCO, played at Florida State before that, was a starting running back at Florida State before going JUCO. Uh, he was Mr. Football in high school for the state of Alabama. He's hes the real deal. He's 5'8", like 210. Um, he looks the part. He has breakaway speed that I don't know if we've ever had. At the running back position in our program's history, um, but he's he's been a question mark because he's been hurt so much, so we haven't seen him do a lot in a Jaguar uniform yet. So, but he's when he's healthy, he's going to be the guy. The other two guys rotating in are Omni Wells, who's a Mississippi State Mississippi State transfer. Excuse me. Um, he'll be kind of a possession guy, make some catches out of the backfield, and whatnot. The third down kind of muscle back, if you will, will be Marco Lee. He's a transfer from Virginia Tech, 5'11", 235. The dude looks like he's 265. He is a monster. Um, He's a – Mark Calvey called Miles Symington uh, a muscle with a hat. This guy's a muscle with a helmet on. Uh, He's (laughs) he's huge, man. Um, He's going to be a big part of it. And then Brian Hill, like you talked about, he's back and did a lot last year. He was a walk-on last year and had to do a lot. He's probably not going to see nearly as much of the field this year as he did last year. It's, you'll see all five rotate, but it's going to be mostly LaDamian Webb, Tarion Avery, probably Marco Lee behind him, and then Omni Wells mixed in there too. They, they've got a lot of talent because, like I was saying earlier, the, the running game was really stale last year. They switched to pass heavy. They really wanted to get more balanced, and so bringing in these guys will do that.
0: Well, as as you guys probably know, we've, we've seen it a lot. Your running backs uh, usually miss a game or two here and there because of injury. Sure. So five is a good number to have. We went through <laughs> five. We used all five last year, I'm pretty sure. So the interesting part for us will be to see who are the are the top two or three backs that we have. Yep. Uh, two
1: top guys from last year left, right? Correct. And one remaining?
0: Yes. Uh, Imani Bailey is now at TCU. Okay. Uh his brother played that plays there. Okay. Uh it's an hour from his home. Uh, yeah, makes sense. Um Johnson, I'm trying to think of his uh first name, it went to Florida with Billy Napier. Okay. So and is is expected to be the starter there. Okay. Um so we we've got some guys though, and we have some freshmen that are coming in that I think will step up. I don't think anybody expected to see what they saw out of Amani Bailey last year, yeah. quite honestly. So uh but you know the last 10 12 years the Cajuns have been uh running backs pretty strong there with two or three guys. It feels like
1: one of them at least one of them's got to be named like Elijah.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, Elijah Mitchell is with the San Francisco 49ers now, and I believe is out with a hamstring. I'm hoping okay. that doesn't uh, derail him and, and continue to nag him to where he, he doesn't have a successful career because he uh, took advantage of some guys in front of him being hurt last yeah. year with the 49ers and was was great. Okay. So, but. We're not here to talk about them, but <laughs> so on the wide receiver side though, you guys have had over the last couple of years, you've had some big name receivers and big time receivers. Uh, I know one of them's in the NFL. Is the other one still there? The uh, most uh, recent. Um...
1: So we've got Jalen Tolbert from last year. Yes. He was third round picked by the Cowboys and he's actually okay. currently slated to start um they've had some injury I think James Washington I know Michael Gallup is hurt too and so it looks like he's going to start week one for Dallas
0: um the year Kwon, before yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I was just gonna say the year before there I got did he sign as a free agent with the Saints that was
1: Kawan Baker
0: The year okay before.
1: yeah Kawan is on the practice squad at least for now um, great career with us. Um, he got activated for, I think the final two regular season games, played special teams for the Saints last year. He actually uh, just got a six game suspension for PEDs. So okay,
0: I shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> I uh, Unfortunately, I don't know how long he is going to remain on the Saints roster. I, I imagine he'll get cut when the season starts. They'll put him on the practice squad yeah. and um, go from there.
0: Okay. So what do you what do you have either returning or coming in new? So n- not a lot of new. Um, it's mostly returners, and the
1: main guy is Jalen Wayne this year. He's been kind of second fiddle, third fiddle. You know, he was the third wide receiver behind Kawan and Jalen the last two years. Then last year he was behind Jalen Tolbert, and now it's his time to shine. Um a sixth-year guy, came in. He actually – He's one of, I think, two players left on the roster that played for Joey Jones. Um, he came in as a – I think he came in as a tight end or a running back, but he's played tight end. He got moved to running back because of injury. They actually moved him to safety for a little while, and he said – Kane Womack actually moved him to safety. Yeah. And he said, Coach, I, I I need the ball in my hands. I don't want to do this. So they moved him to wide receiver, and that's where he's been since. Um Good kid. He's he's ready for his opportunity. He um, I know he probably feels like he hasn't had an opportunity to showcase his talents as much as he wanted the last couple of years. But I mean, the guys in front of him are both playing in the NFL right now. So kind of hard in, to argue. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are pretty good. So it's it's his time to shine. He's um, he's actually the nephew of former NFL wideout Reggie Wayne. Oh, uh, yeah. And um, New Orleans that boy. He said they talk regularly, too. He said they'll, he'll send them film, get some pointers and whatnot, so that's pretty cool. Um, but it's his time to shine. It's probably our thinnest position because if something happens to Jalen Wayne, there's not a lot behind him. You've got Devin Voison, who's been in the program for a long time but hasn't made a catch since 2019. He's probably going to be starting at one wide receiver position. The other guy in the slot's Colin Lacey, uh, not Georgia Southern Radio. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, converted high school running back. He's now a slot receiver for us. Uh, he'll probably return some punts and kickoffs. He's the guy that really, he's probably on the offensive side. The guy they're waiting to take off the most. He hasn't done too much in his previous two years. His freshman year was the adjustment from moving to wide receiver – Last year was a new offense and trying to find some ways to integrate him. Uh, This year, he's got to take off because, like I said, the position's fairly thin. The outside playmakers aren't nearly as readily available as they have been in the past. So it's Colin Lacey's opportunity to kind of take that number two role and move up because once Jalen graduates this year, they're going to have to bring someone in from the outside or hope that a guy like Colin Lacey steps up and becomes a true number one dude.
0: Well, we've heard his name the last couple of years, like you said, but it hasn't been, uh, I think he's had some good moments, but you expected more out of him because you have heard his names on some pretty good plays. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a mobile kid. He, uh, rushed for 1800 yards and 23 touchdowns as a running back his senior year of high school. And I don't think he scored a touchdown in college yet.
0: So, mm. so uh, briefly on the I mean I guess I shouldn't say briefly but on but on the tight end a transfer in from Ole Miss is that going to be the main guy and is he a receiving threat or is he going or, or how do you use the tight end in of your offense is it blocking throwing uh not throwing receiving <laughs> yeah he's throwing a lot of touchdown passes he's doing
1: great at that <laughs> <laughs> no um so DJ Thomas Jones will be one of the two primary tight ends we use a lot of two tight ends set. Uh Lincoln Sefsick will still be the number one tight end. He's been a little bit dinged up in camp, but he's good to go. Uh DJ Thomas Jones was the guy you were talking about. He's an Ole Miss transfer. He's originally from Saraland, just 15 minutes north of here, in Mobile. Um went to Ole Miss, didn't really get an opportunity, came down here, absolutely killed it in spring ball. Was unbelievable. Every single series, it seemed like he scored the touchdown at the end of it. He was tremendous um he's he's got a, a great story too where the roster originally had him as DJ Thomas um and then the Jones was added actually at the beginning of camp um and we asked him why did you choose to add Jones and he said well actually I, you know I grew up without a father figure and then my stepdad came into my life his last name is Jones he is who I believe is my father you know he's the primary father figure So I wanted to honor him by putting his name on my Jersey to all accounts. His dad does not know that he's coming out there week one with Thomas Jones on the back of his Jersey. Oh, so it's, it's going to be a pretty cool moment. Um, It's on the roster as Thomas Jones. Um, But I, I don't think he knows that he's coming out with Thomas Jones on the Jersey. So that'll be pretty darn cool. But He's been good. Lincoln Sefsick's good. Brandon Crum is more of the blocking tight end, along with Jacob Hopper. Those will be the two guys that come in for the the big packages. But Thomas Jones and Sefsick are the catchers, and the other guys will uh, be the big bodies.
0: Good deal. Yeah. Um, up front, you guys got? Do you have some? Uh, I don't know why I keep getting a brain fart right here because it's <laughs> probably because it's not on my notes, but experience Do you have the the experience there is that something you know you got guys coming in that are new whether they're freshmen or transfers
1: so this was where we made wholesale changes the offensive line was probably our worst position group the last four years um and so they went out portal heavy uh brought in pj mixon from jacksonville state started up there and now he's transferring to us he'll probably start at left tackle uh dante lucas was a starter at florida state had a Had a a weird situation. He got kicked off the team, but, like, we tell people, yes, he got kicked off. But what happened was apparently there was a disagreement with a workout during the offseason, and he and the strength coach got into it, and it was kind of a your word versus my word, and they said, well, we're just going to move on from you. So he's come to us. He's probably going to start at left guard. James Jackson is... One of the few returners last year transferred in. He was a Mississippi State transfer, uh, had played offensive line. They wanted to move him to defensive tackle, and he said, I don't want to do that. Came to us, and without a doubt, he was the best offensive lineman we had last year. Uh, James Robinson is a mountain of a man at 6'4", 350. He's probably going to play right guard. Uh, He transferred in from Tennessee. He's huge. Uh, And then at uh, right tackle, Antoine Lewis. He's another uh, holdover. He was a LaTeX transfer last year. He was pretty good. He could play a couple of different positions. He can play outside tackle and the guards. Okay. Um, but, yeah, they went transfer heavy bringing in some new guys because the offensive line – really, the offensive line was why we couldn't run the ball last year. That was why we had to pass it because the offensive line just could not get it done. So they went to the portal and brought in some some much bigger guys and some more experience.
0: It definitely sounds like you guys got some beef up front now. Yeah. So you're listening. to We're talking Craig Malonso and the voice of the Jaguars, JT Crabtree. We're going to take a quick timeout and we'll be back right after this quick message. Welcome back into we're talking today. Craig Malonso with JT Crabtree. JT and I keep wanting to say JD, but I haven't done it yet. And I, <laughs> I but at some point I may. No uh, one ever gets this confused. No. Right. What are you talking I mean, about? You guys got the same hairdo and everything? No. You don't look anything alike. I'm trying to get like you, man. <laughs> oh yeah? Well, <laughs> gotta let it flow sometime. Yeah. It, man. It's it's pretty thick. So uh defensive side of the ball, um where I mean you guys put some pressure on the Cajuns last year with several different things. I think we went for it twice on four downs fourth down inside uh your ten yard line and I believe we I think we were stopped twice as a matter of fact. I I could be wrong. Uh but uh so defensively you weren't that bad but what what's going on with the defense now? Let's start up front with the line. Uh how much time
1: do we have, Craig? Because this defense is scary, man. Yeah? It's scary. Um especially up front there's legitimately they play three down linemen just about most positions. There's a stand-up edge rusher. But there's legitimately three guys at each position that they can rotate in and be com- be completely comfortable with. Um, it, it's staggering how much depth they've built up from last year to this year. Uh, a big part of it was on the defensive end position, getting Jamie Sheriff back. He was a preseason all-conference guy last year. First day of camp blows out his Achilles. He's back full strength. Dude looks great. He's, I think, at 270, 275, something like that. Moves like a guy who's probably 220. Um, really quick guy on the end. Uh, we saw Waikiki Thomas kind of emerge last year at the nose tackle spots. Big old guy that's nicknamed Bubba. Um, he's, he's listed at like 305. I swear the guy's like 350. He's. <laughs> He's huge, man. He's such a big dude. Uh, Charles Coleman III is back. Janarius Johnson's back. Brock Higdon, who was kind of a, a project guy as an edge rusher at six foot seven, is finally getting some weight on him and filling out his body. Uh, and then the the stand up edge rusher who the last, gosh, it feels like seven years has been Chris Henderson, and he's finally graduated. So C.J. Rias will step up. D.K. Bonham is a Indiana transfer, one of, I think, three on the team that came in this year. He will get an opportunity to play a whole bunch. Um, a guy that Kane Womack has raved about is Ed Smith IV at defensive tackle. Um, honestly, a no-name guy. His previous two years didn't really play, I don't think, at all. Came in in the spring, had a great spring. He's continued it in the fall. He's legitimately going to rotate in and play now. He's been probably the MVP of camp on the defensive side of the ball. He's been
0: unbelievable. Do you you think that that's attributed to the uh, strength and conditioning that that he's gone through maybe? And uh, as he's matured with a little age and everything,
1: yeah, I I definitely think so. Matt Shadid is the uh what's the title they give him? Director of like football performance, I think it is. Okay. Um he he's the players love him. Um they respond really well to him and he's been a huge part of guys like Ed Smith who have there's another guy at the linebacker, Terry Perry, who again a no name guy who's been really unbelievable. Um I, I think Matt Shadid's a big part of that. I think too just Getting comfortable in the system, you know, year two and that 4 two, five, and figuring out what you're supposed to do. Corey Batune, the defensive coordinator, had mentioned that, you know, Ed's big thing is that he's confident in what he's trying to do. And last year he was always unsure of himself, kind of second-stepping anything, but now he, he knows what he's doing. He's going out there and showing what he can do. It's pretty impressive.
0: It's a defense, the defense, the strength of that defense. Do you think that comes from the head coach? You talked about how he he likes to get down and play defensive end sometime, <laughs> or or be across from the you know is is that the ad does a lot of that attitude come from him? Then
1: I think so. I think a lot of it too is just the fact that Kane has done a good job of bringing in people that have specialized in the four two five. You know, Corey Batune came to us from Liberty, but he was at Hawaii before that. But before that, he was at Ole Miss with Dave Womack, um, so he has studied under the the father of the four-two-five, if you will, for a long time. He's worked a lot of four-two-five defenses, and when he went to Hawaii, he took the four-two-five with him. When he was at Liberty, he had the four-two-five over there as well. Um, I think it's just bringing in guys like Will Wyndham, who's the linebackers coach. He's worked a lot in the four-two-five in the Midwest, and he's the guy that. Kane got to know in his time in Indiana where they just crossed paths recruiting and they shared a lot of the same philosophies on defense so I think it's just the fact that he's done a really good job of finding like-minded dudes that like the 425 that really fit in well here
0: well it looks like uh, you know your defense coordinator has got a lot a lot of history there as far as working with different programs and everything so uh, you mentioned Liberty Hawaii and some of the other ones but yeah that that's good get for y'all. So yeah. congratulations. Uh, I kind of hate y'all uh website <laughs> though, where it says coaching staff and everybody's assistant coach, assistant oh. coach. Uh, what's their friggin title. I don't want to t- <laughs> click on 14 of them. Tell me, you know,
1: I'm the same way. I, I can't keep it straight half the time. And I go on the website, let me pull it up. I can't remember. I'm the same way.
0: Okay. Well, I, uh,
1: a request has been put in for that to be changed. I okay. have personally requested that.
0: Well, maybe I. Uh, who is your uh, your? I know it's not SID, uh, Director of Communications.
1: Uh, so new guy, uh, Brian Freeman is gone. After gosh, he was here since 08. Um, he's taken an assistant AD job at Vanderbilt, and we have hired Travis Jerome from Alabama State. Okay. Uh, Travis was previously at Troy. Uh, most recently at Alabama State, he's been an AD at the high school level. Um, he was at West West Georgia for a little while too. Great guy. Um, not afraid to get his hands dirty because at Alabama State he had to do everything by himself. He was a department of one for about four different departments um uh, so he knows how to do a little bit of everything which is is nice in that role um he fits in great here he made it a um a big point to when he got here to meet all the head coaches and just be involved with the program and to meet the guys to help tell their story which you know that's the whole job of communications Yeah. um he's great man he's he's great when when we head over there you'll love travis he's awesome
0: good deal good deal um Anything else on the defensive side of the ball, you think, or um,
1: defensive
0: we... defensive back. I'll touch on that okay. real quick because the the main guy
1: defensive back is two guys really. Darrell Luter Jr., who's been preseason all American, preseason all sunbelt. You know, he was one of the top twenty cover guys in the country last year by Pro Football Focus. Nice. He's he did some really impressive work. Out of nowhere last year, I think he had in total more passes defended than completions against him. It was incredible what he did last year. Again, really is a guy that was kind of the nickelback the year before. Um, So he's back for another year. The other main guy is our safety, Keith Gallman, who's the heart and soul of our defense, routinely leads the team in tackles. Mobile guy, uh, infectious personality, you can't miss the dude's smile when he's out on the field. He tore his pec the other day, and he's out for the season. So that's a huge, huge loss. Um, Safety position is probably the thinnest on the defensive side, but you look at the corners with Darrell Luter on one side, um, an Ole Miss transfer, Jamar Richardson's at another cornerback position. Jalen Jordan is going to play a safety spot. He's another guy from Ole Miss. Uh, Marquise Robinson's a Juco kid. He's nicknamed Cuddy. Uh, You call him Marquise, he won't answer. You call him Cuddy, he'll turn around. I don't know where (laughs) where Cuddy came from, but that's what he goes by. Um, He'll play a lot of uh, one of the corner spots. Uh, But the guy they're really excited about is a true freshman, Ricky Fletcher. Um, He's legitimately played with the ones in camp a lot, and he'll probably start some games later on the year. Uh, 6'2", 293. Get from Mississippi that Mississippi state was trying to flip late and our recruiting coordinator, Dwight Wilson, basically camped out at his high school trying to fend guys off. Uh, um, yeah. he was a huge, huge get. He's going to be a great guy. I think he's got a better ceiling than Darrell Luter
0: Jr. Has, uh, at some point down the road for us. Some pretty impressive guys. I, I like, uh, I like the bigger defensive backs too. And the guys that play there and, yeah. uh, and everything. Um, so it looks like you're returning your uh, your place kicker and your punter. Yep. Uh, any competition there against uh, for uh, for them or for punter?
1: No. Uh, Jack Brooks from Australia, the the leg of thunder from down under, as we call him. Okay. He's back for his uh, third year with the program. Uh, Diego Guajardo, um will most likely be the starting place kicker to start the year. Uh it looks like he's lost the job as the kickoff guy to Jacob Meeks who's okay. a, a Texas transfer but his name might sound familiar because he played at ULM for two or three years. Okay. Weird track, I know. <laughs> ULM <laughs> Meeks,
0: to Texas to something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But hey, he's been good in camp. He's pushed. I mean, no one has legitimately pushed Diego in probably a year and a half and Meeks has won the kickoff job. He's pushing Diego a little bit for the place kicker job too. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes down the season.
0: Okay. Um, Let's kind of move on to the schedule. Let's, let's talk about your non-conference schedule main thing I see besides playing, uh, starting out with Nichols, the Louisiana team. Mm -hmm. uh, And I'm coach Tim Rebo. That was here for a while. Um, But you know, you're headed up to Central Michigan. Then you're coming back and you turn around and go out to Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping both of those are charter flights.
1: <laughs> they are. They are.
0: So, I'm assuming the UCLA game is a one-off, though. It's not one of those that you're going to see UCLA coming to uh, Mobile.
1: You are correct. Yep. That is a, uh, a one-off buy game for us. We get to play in the Rose Bowl for... I don't know the dollar amount, but um, we'll get the 11 a.m. Pacific time kick. So that'll be nice. Get in and out, And because it's the early kick, we're actually going to leave Thursday instead of Friday. So we will get a full day to enjoy Los Angeles before playing on Saturday. And Kane was actually adamant that we go out there a day early, not because of the time, but also because he remembered – And his playing days at Arkansas, they played USC one year. They left a day early so that they could go take the team to go sightsee because their coach said, most of you guys will probably never be to Los Angeles again. You might never have been to California before, so let's enjoy it. Let's make a trip out of it. And so Kane's saying, the opportunity to give that back to my players is what I want to do. So we're going out Thursday. We'll have a walkthrough Friday, see the sights and enjoy the town and play some football Saturday.
0: I, I've been out to L.A. several times, but uh, I am i believe most recently I was out there. We played UCLA in basketball, and that was an amazing thing to be in Poly Pavilion and all that. Yeah. And then we played Pepperdine a few days later. I was also able to uh, catch a Lakers game while I was out there, and it was uh, Kobe's final season. Oh, so, awesome. Uh, it, it was a fun trip. So enjoy your trip, and uh, you can also enjoy your trip to uh, Central Michigan as well. <laughs>
1: I'm curious how pleasant Mount Pleasant, Michigan actually
0: is. <laughs> uh, it's I'm trying to think central Michigan is not, uh, are, I believe they were the Chippewas. Yes, still are. Uh, oh, they still are the Chippewas. I thought they all changed. Uh, there is, as far as I know, they're still Chippewas. Okay. They're uh, yeah. Still Chippewas.
1: The, the fighting Jim McElwain's up there. I did not
0: know. Okay. I thought because the Urons are no longer the Urons, Mm -hmm. which is another Indian tribe, but they must have got the the okay. Uh, It's a little further. It's like in between the places that I worked up in Michigan. I worked in the very north part and I worked central south, but it's a little further north than I was in the central. So just for nobody's, everybody's going to like, all right, he's rambling again. (laughs) So... (laughs) So, trip to LA, uh then come back home, Louisiana Tech. Yep. Uh have you guys played them a lot? I know you you played them. We've played them twice.
1: Okay. Uh we've lost both games we went to them in 2017. Uh I think that was that was Joey Jones last season and midway through the year we fired our offensive coordinator who's uh, was Bryant Vincent, who's now the interim head coach at UAB. Uh, oh. we, had, we had just let him go, and I think the LaTeX game was the first game after letting him go, and it showed, man. We played terrible. We were awful in that game. Um, they fulfilled the home-and-home home coming to us the next year. It was our season opener. It was the first game under Steve Campbell, and got behind early. Rallied late, made it a ball game. I think we lost, uh, was it, yeah, 30 to 26. Um, really odd score <laughs> in a college yeah. football game. Um, and I remember that was, you know, we started a – or we came out of a scoring a touchdown and went for the surprise onside kick and got it. And, you know, we're doing all these wild things. It was like, oh, this is fun. And then it turned out to not work, but <laughs> – that was uh that that's a game we in both those games we owe them some payback. So and that's that's going to be a huge game for us this year because it's the game before we go to to you guys to play the Cajuns. So that that five game stretch to start the season is huge. Opening yep. at Nichols, I think the Central Michigan game is the biggest game of the season. I think that's really going to tell us where we are. Uh UCLA is what it is. It's a buy game. If you win it, fantastic. If not, you're not expected to win it. Um and then the the La Tech game is again another measuring stick against the team that should be at your level. You should be pretty even, and then you start conference play over Cajun Field. So uh, th- that five game stretch is really really key for how this season's going to go.
0: Well, uh, as you know, you, you know I I just think of those games the Mac game and the uh, conference D O A game against Louisiana Tech. It, it, those are games that, as uh, Sun Belt Conference that we need to win as a conference against our peer conferences yeah. Yeah. and uh, and get some bragging rights. And I will tell you, you will have no bigger fans than the ones in Lafayette <laughs> uh, against Louisiana Tech. And if you lose to them, your fans, your fans will probably be hearing about it in your team
1: <laughs> the whole
0: time you're here. So thanks for nothing. No. So go out and whip their behind. So um, I did want to talk, though, a little bit um, about um, the new teams that are coming in. Um, I'm, I'm looking here. The only ones you're playing, it looks like the new teams, are Southern Miss and Old Dominion, and they're back to back. But let's talk about Southern Miss first, because we kind of talked about it off the air there's that certain rivalry there that you guys had in baseball and everything that I think is going to be huge come baseball season. And you've played them a couple of times in football. Uh, is, 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 is that a game where both fans, you know, should be excited about and will travel. You think? Yes. yes, absolutely. And Southern Miss thinks that we're going to travel for,
1: for the game in Hattiesburg this year, because they're charging us like $45 or something like that for the, away game tickets. That's more than UCLA is charging us. So yeah, that's what they're expecting us to travel. I think we will. I think we'll have a huge crowd over there. They brought a good contingency over last year. We've played each other for a home and home the last two years. We've beat them in both. Um, we kind of shocked everybody when we went there in 2020 to start the year and beat them 32-21, and it was like, holy cow, where have these guys been? Because we were coming off a, I think a two-win season the year before. And then we came out and popped them. We looked great. It was our, it's our first road win I think in four years at the time. It, we looked like a completely different team. And then we opened the season last year with Southern Miss as well, and you know, that was game one for Kane Womack, and we beat him thirty-one-seven, and it wasn't even that close. You know, we we beat the dog out of him. And so I know their fans are ticked off about it. Uh, we recruit against these guys in in every sport. Um, Our fans are salty on the baseball side because of what Southern Miss has done on the baseball side, they've done great, and our fans feel like they're not better than us. They shouldn't be doing all this. It should be us doing that, which, you know, that's just going to ramp up the baseball rivalry even more. Uh, The the football rival is is Troy with the battle for the belt and whatnot. Um, But I, I really think in all the other sports, it's Louisiana. Just with the the history we have and how competitive we've been with each other and how we've you know battled each other for not only bragging rights but oftentimes in championship games. Yes, you know, it's often us one and two back and forth. Uh. Um, I think we're going to see that with Southern Miss a lot. I I really do that. I, I think that that's going to become one of our primary rivalry games in every sport. Uh. The baseball series with Troy's, you know, it's a little salty sometimes. The basketball one, same thing. Um, but really, I, we were talking about it during a baseball broadcast this year with Southern Miss coming in. We've never seen their number one pitcher because we always play them for a midweek. Exactly. They've never seen our number one pitcher. So we're going to see the two top arms for both teams going at it for a series every single year, that's pretty darn exciting to see. Um, Not only from our standpoint, but just for
0: the conference as a whole, it's going to be some
1: pretty darn good baseball being played 90 minutes apart from each other.
0: The things, the thing that needs to happen though, is uh, the Cajuns and the Jaguars and the Trojans need to find somebody to replace those games against Southern Miss because yes, we're playing them on the weekend, but those were strong RPI out of conference RPI games that, that we had. So both all three of those teams and, and ULM I think as well need to replace those that, that, that Southern Miss series.
1: That's a a big issue that we were talking about during this past spring was that's our best RPI game. That's not Alabama or Auburn. Yeah. Um, And Auburn won't come to us anymore. Alabama will every now and then. Uh. But, you know, it for us, it's tough to go up to Mississippi State for a day trip on a midweek. That's yep. four and a half hours one way. You can't make it to Ole Miss. You go up to Birmingham. It's about the same thing. Florida State, that's four or five hours away, too. It's hard to find a quality opponent that's a day trip for a midweek. Yep. Um, and so you're going to dip more. And I'm sure all of us will dip more into southeastern Louisiana, Nichols, Troy will try and get, I'm sure, Samford and UAB a little bit more. Um, Actually, one of our former assistants, Tony David, is now the head coach at Samford. So I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere down the road, we can find a way to get them on the docket for maybe a a two-game midweek series where you make it worth the trip up there playing two quality games. But that's a, a great point is losing that midweek opponent it's, it's tough to fill that around here because there's not a lot of quality talent that's within driving distance for a game.
0: And the Cajuns, for the most part, over the last 10 years or so, has played Southern Miss in a weekend series. Yeah. But but there, when we did some shifting around of the baseball schedule, we weren't able to do that. So we would travel to them for two games and they would come to us for one game during the... So we played three games, but it, to your point, it wasn't number one pitcher versus number one pitcher. Like it has been for the last two years right? and gets a little salty in there for various <laughs> reasons. But so, no, I, I was just curious about that, that there, uh, the that being the rivalry and all that uh, for, for Cajun fans, uh, uh, for the most part, Arkansas state has kind of been our rival in football. Now the last couple of years we've kind of dominated knock on wood, but for a lot of us Cajun fans, we remember the series against Southern Miss going there to watch, to watch, to to play them. I remember making trips over to Southern Miss and then having guys like Brett Favre come in here and, and play, yeah. you know, yeah. at Cajun Field. So uh, we're kind of hoping that that rivalry there does become Southern Miss again. So unfortunately, we play them on a Thursday night this year. So, okay. But lastly, uh, I don't know. Do you have any history with Old Dominion as far as football goes? Uh, none
1: with football. The only thing that we share is both programs started in 2009. Oh. Um, so both young. Um, they've had a little bit more success than we've had. They have they've, they had that huge win over Virginia Tech a couple of years ago, which was yep. pretty cool. And actually, they're playing them this week, I think. I think they play them Friday, right?
0: Yeah, they play like Virginia Tech and – I they think Virginia. Virginia. And, I mean, they've got they've got a little. I mean, they're not afraid to skip. To, oh, here's here it goes. This is why. I Remember, Virginia Tech, East Carolina, then Virginia, uh, home against Arkansas State, home against Liberty, then at Coastal, then at Georgia. I mean, they have got <laughs> they they have they don't get a break. I mean, but if you're on that east side of the Sun Belt, the football programs are. Those are the best football programs yeah. uh' best competition over there right now yeah, yeah hopefully the 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 wet the west can do the same thing soon yeah that that east is tough, and old dominions
1: pretty sure' gonna be rebuilding this year um so that's that's a tough slate, but I'll give them credit you know, they've got Virginia Tech on the slate for a home game, yeah, and I think it's. Three of the next five years, they have an in-state Power Five coming to them. It's either Virginia Tech or Virginia comes to them for a for a non-conference game. That's impressive. You know, we we will never get Alabama or Auburn to come here. Yeah, we, Alabama will never schedule us. They haven't played a in-state school not named Auburn since like the twenties. Yeah, uh, but we actually we go to Auburn in '25, which is huge for us. Um, but we've got Ole Miss coming to us for a straight home and home in, I think, 28 and 29. So hey, hats off to Old Dominion for getting those, uh, those in state schools to come to them, man.
0: Well, I remember the thing I remember about Old Dominion the, the best is, uh, uh, they started the season last year one and five, announced that they're coming to the uh, Sun Belt. We're all five straight games to get bull eligible, <laughs> five straight wins. And, uh, I tell you, if you don't mind, let's take a step back. We were talking about y'all in Southern Miss, but, you know, to me, and you had Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech on your schedule this year. And the best game last year, we were at Liberty, and we were watching the game because I think it was a Friday night game. Uh, Southern Miss is playing uh, Louisiana Tech, and they rotate in three different running backs as their quarterback. I think four or five different guys (laughs) threw passes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and what's weird is they were a better team when they were doing that than when they oh, had a quarterback
0: in. And beat the dog crap out of them. No, no yeah. pun intended to the – oh, yeah, <laughs> pun intended. Screw those dog dog beaters over there at Louisiana Tech. So, well, okay, I've gone off the rails. It's time to shut Uh-oh. this down. <laughs> well, JT, thank you so much. Uh, for those listening, uh, JT is going to be a regular. We're going to talk about the Sunbelt West uh, each week. Uh, next week, we will take a look at the first uh, first week of Sunbelt and what's coming up and mainly focus on the Sunbelt Conference West. I keep getting East and West mixed up, so I hope I said it right.
1: That's not right. Okay. So no,
0: no no drinking involved yet, so you're good. No, <laughs> we're, we're going to have to schedule these in the evening. No. <laughs> Well, man, thank you so much. Good seeing you on yeah, the man. screen here. Yeah, good uh, to see you too, man. We will have a bourbon waiting for you and a meal waiting for you when you come here to Cajun Field. So it's actually, I I think I noticed it was Homecoming weekend though. That's an early Homecoming, man. Yeah, yeah I think it's just the way our schedule falls. Uh, why do I not have? I guess I must have closed our schedule. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. It's Homecoming. It's just the way the schedule falls. Uh, You know, the next week we're at Marshall on a Wednesday. I guess we have Arkansas State at home on the 22nd. I don't know. That's okay. Then we're at Southern Miss on a weeknight, but then we have Troy on the 5th.
1: And then you've got the November 19th game against Florida State.
0: Yes. I like it. I like the late
1: late non-conference game.
0: I do too. We did that a couple years back. I think 2014 against Florida. Okay. Ended up losing the game on two uh, block punts. Oh, wow. Yeah. They blocked two punts and either one, one went in the end zone for a touchdown or, or both of them were near the goal line and went in. I, I believe is what happened. We got very conservative at the end and refused, refused to try to move the ball down, down okay. the field. So it is what it is but probably my biggest disappointment in the HUD era. So yes. he's, is now he's, over,
1: he's over my way now. He's still at uh, Gulf it, Shores High
0: School. Is he still? Okay. I, I heard uh, maybe last year he brought the team to the playoffs for the first time ever?
1: Yeah, uh, not ever, but it's been a long time. Uh, that okay. program was really bad, really bad. Um, and they did a good job. Uh, they won their first game last week against St. Michael Catholic, which is coached by Philip Rivers. Really? Really. Uh, 34-28, I think, was the final. Um, yeah, he's got a good program over there. He's got our former offensive coordinator, Kenny Eddenfield, working with him. Um, he's got several former
0: uh, college coaches over there with him.
1: Yeah, Vic Koning, who's now at ULM as defensive coordinator, was there last year. Um, they've got another, I think like a former Auburn uh, defensive coordinator is the D.C. now uh let me let me see who this is because i can't remember who they've got uh here it is paul rhodes yeah paul rhodes is the dc now
0: wow auburn
1: is at iowa states yeah he's uh he's now run the defense over there
0: well good for him i mean uh you know coach I, i know a lot of people don't like the way it all ended and everything but Without him, I don't think we get Billy Napier. We, we're not in the situation we are in now. Uh, he showed us that we could win, and uh, and was I think he was good for the program while he was here, yeah. and it was also time for him to leave when he left. so but, it all worked out. Yep. Yeah. Well, J.T. thank you so much. We'll talk We'll find some time again next week to talk, and uh, uh, best of luck to you. And uh, like I said, we'll talk soon, though.
1: Yeah, man. Appreciate appreciate you having me on and uh, looking forward to talking some more Sunbelt football with you, man.
0: Great. you've been listening, we're talking with Craig Melanson and J.D. Crabtree, voice of the University of South Alabama Jaguars. I I refuse to say USA. Sorry. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) All right. We'll be back. Any
1: redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except... Ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it. Share it. Put it in your podcast. Broadcast it. Or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.